November 30th, 2022. Let's continue in our uh, study, our Limud of Moreh Nebuchim. If you recall, we learned t- together in Helek Aleph, Perek Aleph, and Perek Bet. And what Harambam was developing over there in the final punchline was the difference between what he called, or in Hebrew translation, the Muskalot and Mefursamot. Muskalot had to do with uh, what we were referring to, and he was as well, Emet and Sheker, the objective truths. Mefursamot had to do with what he calls Toveran. He likened it, of course, to the Etadad Tovara, and those are the subjective realities of life. And he described, as a result, the narrative, the description in the Torah, in Perek Gimal, Perek Bet of Bereshit, where you have Adam and Hava who are commanded not to eat from Etadad Tovara, ultimately speaking, eat from it. The question, if you recall, that was posed to him was, does that make sense? They were told not to eat from it, and now they became enlightened, they became smarter as a result of eating from it. Was God looking to withhold knowledge from them? The words of the Nahash were, you'll be like the gods, or like the God who's yodea tovara. So they achieved that. Their eyes are open. Ostensibly, they got tovara. That's ridiculous. That's crazy to think that God didn't want us to be higher level people. That was the plan. Instead, said Haram what they achieved was really a descent. They went down through the decision to eat from Etz Hadat. The decision to eat from Etz Hadat was the decision to leave a life, a mind, a direction and perspective of emet and sheker, of black and white, of absolute truths, and a purposeful decision to go into what we call the world of humanity, and that's the world of tov and ra. What does it mean tov and ra as opposed to emet and sheker? I'm talking somewhat abstractly. Harambam very much does. We kind of try to give that some color and some uh, realistic uh, scenarios and circumstances, hey, Joe? Um, and uh, what we suggested and what we described was, and Harambam really describes this, is this their realization, their eyes are opened to nakedness, if you recall. That's the immediate consequence of eating from Etz Hadat. And that nakedness is kind of a conventional reality. The fact that being naked is inappropriate is something that human beings have built for ourselves as a societal norm and something that's inappropriate. Um, nakedness in, in, in a true and false world, if anything, shows the true self of an individual. By covering myself with clothing, I'm to a certain extent misleading you or leading you in the direction I want to manipulate this with. Um, but if, more than that, emet and sheker would mean that all decisions are determined by what's right, not by what I want. And as human beings, want, lust, desire, as terrible as those terms sound, as I put them all together, they're part of who we are as human beings. And as a result, the description in the pasuk that Hava raises her eyes and sees that the tree is ta'avala inaim, it's nehmad lemar'eh, it's going to be nehmad lehaskil, it's going to be taste, all those descriptions are her realization, this is something I want. As human beings, we do and are driven by wants, not so much needs, needs as well, but we also have wants. That was a purposeful decision on the behalf of humanity, as Harambam envisions this, to get into a world where we have, call it the challenges of humanity. That's a step further than Harambam brings us. Harambam never tells us their reason going after. For Harambam, it's this descent, which is somewhat tragic. The description might be furthermore, and we kind of insinuated this, we teased this out a little bit, this was a purposeful decision. Uh, They wanted to be in this world where not everything's black and white any longer. A world of black and white, after all, is a pretty boring world. I mean, I'm nothing against the mathematicians amongst us, but being in math your whole life doesn't bring forth as easily the creativity to step outside of it and deal with the real world, be able to, uh, to maneuver within it and to manipulate in a positive fashion. Those are the challenges of reality as opposed to dealing specifically and only with, well, I know this is right, I know that's wrong, how would I, why would I do something that's wrong? We dealt with that and we dealt with how was it possible then for them to decide to do something that quote unquote is wrong, which was very much along the lines of what we just discussed. It wasn't per se wrong. It was, if anything, that was ironically, paradoxically, the, in their decision, the right decision. Now, it certainly was driven by drives, desires, lost outside of them, but that was a decision that they purposefully made 
And then that became part and parcel of who they were. It's as human beings, by definition, we have Gashmi. We have a side to us which will drive us irrespective of whether you lived in Gan Eden or outside. The question is, is that part and parcel of who you are? Is that your innate drive? Or is that something you have to push yourself to do? That's very much what we discussed in the earlier classes. Yes, Joe? Right, two questions I have. So number one, um, on Sunday, and we will very much touch on that today. Okay. Oh, we will very much touch on that today. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And then bring my that up. Question yeah. would be, um, what, in living in a world of American shit Yes. Is there, I guess, in uh, I don't know the right word is, but there's potential. Right. In the world of Metashek, is there no potential? Is it, you, you are what you are and that's it? There's very little, it has to be there is some room, because then they couldn't decide otherwise, A, and B, then there's no purpose of existence at all, but you are correct, there's much less potential. The decision to eat births for them potential, births for them challenge, births for them the opportunity to now endeavor into a world of challenges. We're thinking that out now, though, because we talk about our goal is to get that to that point and achieve yeah. as Adam yeah. that status. Yeah. So they had that potential. They were just that gap was bridged a lot. It was yeah. Bridged. Yes. And the question is, and we'll really, to a certain extent, the way we'll start this to tonight, the question is, a return to that. Well, what would that look like? And is that actually feasible for human beings? Yeah. Again, we're human beings, so we need it out. Human beings, uh, I'm going to stay a child forever. Again, it's almost a, uh, a childlike infantile existence where all I have is provided to me and I have little choice because all I can and all I know to do is the right thing to do. Uh, so what would it look like that sort of, as you said, we kind of envision a return? So I want to bring you, and I, I told you at the end of last class that I would do so, to further into the book. It's what we're going to do over the course of some, a bunch of the more. We'll have to jump around a little bit because Harambam wrote this book, as we've discussed, in somewhat of a complicated fashion. And to read the first Perakim through, one after the next, disjointedly, because that's the way they'll appear, won't really uh, be much of an educational experience in terms of getting a full breadth and understanding of the picture that we're um, that, that Harambam is trying to paint for us. Uh, so as a result, here's the plan for tonight. So we dealt with then in those first two Perakim, in our first several classes, with that decision to eat, uh, where it wa was in terms of humanity, emet and sheker, the decision to then go into tov and ra. What we didn't really deal with, and I'd like to, uh, over the course of this class and getting across uh, that, that, that return to emet and sheker, we didn't really deal with um, the description in the Torah, and, and Joe, you really picked up on both of these points, with regards to number one, the nahash, the nahash in the description. Harambam's kind of painting this whole story as a decision. To, well, what's the nahash then in that? What we did mention already is the Nahaj is external, right? We described that as being external as opposed to a part of them. That's that much we touched on. We also didn't touch on why does it need to be Hava or why was it Hava? It seems to be particular and specific in the Torah's telling of it. And so ironically, we're going to start, though, in the opposite direction. You'll see why as we go. And I'll start here on page 369. We're in Helek Bet of the Moreh. Perek Lamed. And in this Perek, in a very mysterious and cryptic fashion, Harambam is citing several Midrashim, somehow linking them one to the other, not really explaining himself, remarking after several of them and understand what I'm saying. But, you know, he's, he's kind of drawing you in without really telling you what he's doing. As we're going to try to make a little bit sense of that. Um, so here in the second to last paragraph on page 369, we're going to move backwards to 368 after this. He writes, He had just described a moment beforehand, which again, we will backwards go, go to uh, the Nahash and uh, in the eyes of the rabbis relations with Hava that's Miguna Biotea, that's a terrible sort of description and understanding. And in truth, if you understand this book and its chapters properly, oh, he's teasing us, that's very much what he's doing. 
uh, you'll, you'll appreciate the reality that's inherent in the next words. Uh, really? That's right. That's, that's my uh, revelation to you, says Adam Bob. If you understand what we've said, if you understand what we're developing, you'll understand the next words. And that's it. What are the next words? All right, he's going to tell us the next words. We're not really going to close any uh, loose ends. Misheba nahash al-hava hitil bazuhama Yisrael she'amedu al-har Sinai paseka zuhamatan Goyim she'lo'amdu al-har Sinai lo paska zuhamatan so those are the words of the Midrash, Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Af Kof Mem He, Kof Mem Vav, Gemara in Yivamot, you see in the bottom, Gemara in Avodah Zarah. So there's a Gemara in several places. What's the statement? The statement goes as follows, Am Yisrael, well, first and foremost, the Nahash, who's Ba'al Hava, the vision is relations with Hava, he tilba Zuhama, he injects her with Zuhama, of certain filth. Imagine it as poison if you need to, but Zuama generally, generally speaking, translates as filth. Okay, let's say it's venom. Yisrael she'amedu al Har Sinai paseka zuhamatan. Am Yisrael who stood at Har Sinai and received the Torah, uh, there was no longer that zuhama for them. In contrast to the goyim shelo amdu al Har Sinai lo paska zuhamatan, they're eternally living with that zuhama. Concludes Harambam this concept, this statement. Make certain that you scale and you weigh in your mind this statement as well. That's it. That's it. It's open and shut. That's his statement. Uh, effectively, what I want to do with you right now then is to use this as closing the story he told us at the very beginning of the book. Very beginning of the book, he started us with the decision to eat from this tree. The decision to eat from the tree, which was a consequence of being with the Nahash. All right, now we're getting something else. So he's quoting a midrash. He likes this midrash very much. He says it fits, fits the picture. What's the midrash's description? How some sort of filth is injected into hava, and that, and here's of course the most critical part, is what ceases to exist at the time of Ma'amad Har Sinai, which of course we get and the goyim don't. That's what we're up against. So here's, here's my direction to try to decipher this and give us a certain closed circle in our general understanding of what Haram Bam's doing here in the Moreh. If you'll take a look at the sources in front of you uh, for just a few moments, I'm going to take you now further backwards. So again, I think I summarized what we're up to. Let's take a look now just at the Pesukim in the Torah, sources 2 and sources number 3. The Pesukim Bereshit Perek Bet, Pesuk Yodzai. Don't eat from the tree of Da'at, Tovara. If you do, on that day, you shall surely die. The question is famous. The question is a question we asked as children, assuming we were going to get some answer when we got older. We never fully got an answer to that question. That is, they didn't die on that day. So yes, we touched on this in a previous class, and that this will not take away from that. It'll only strengthen our point then. But I don't need to know that now. That's the question. Second question. So first question is, what's Adam Bam doing by closing this up? What does that midrash mean of that zuhama, which stopped in Ahash at Har Sinai? What's the connection? Secondly, what's this mitah, this death? Where was the death? They didn't die. I thought they were going to die on the day of eating from it. Third question is, well, there were two trees. We've been focusing throughout only on the tree of Etz HaDa'atovara. What about this Etz HaHayim? Have any later mentioned? We heard it mentioned in Perek Bet. There were two trees, Betoch Hagan. God says, don't eat from Etz HaDa'at. What about Etz HaHayim? Etz HaHayim, by the way, is the opposite of Mavet, Motamut, that you're going to die. So what's Etz HaHayim? Well, the Torah never tells us fully what that is either. What the Torah does tell us is it wasn't chopped down. It didn't cease to exist. It rather, source number three, the very last pasuk in Perikim, pasuk kafdalit in the Torah, vayigarish et ha'adam, vayashken mikedem leganeden et ha'kiruvim ve'etlat ha'chirav ha'metapechet lishmor et derech etz ha'chayim. Pasuk says that Adam was banished from the garden, from Gan Eden, and God safeguards the Gan, but not the Gan, derech etz ha'chayim. So the passageway, the pathway to etz ha'chayim is now shielded, it's guarded by the kirubim, and some cherubs, and angelic cherubs, and some revolving flaming sword. I'm not going to define those right now, but we are going to notice that the Torah Yes, the whole story is mysterious, but the last line is the most mysterious. What happened to Etz Hayim? What was Etz Hayim? Why is it safeguarded? How does that help my understanding of this story as well? So that's the third issue. 
I'd really like to um, address. I will parenthetically just point out um, on the Nahash point, I don't know that we ever made this point, the Nahash, as the, maybe we did, as the Torah describes the Nahash, he was Arum, the Nahash is described as being sly, Mikol, all the other Hayot in, in, in Gan Eden or in the world at that time. It stands to reason, of course, that this Nahash, who had that Arum, is going to bring forth a reality of Arum, nakedness, and its other meaning for humanity. Humanity. It's Arum and it represents Arum. All right, but uh, for our purposes, how are we going to deal with these sorts of matters? So I'm going to propose that we start with, would you know it, the words of Harambam. In the Moreh, in source number four, in Moreh Nebuchim, Chelek Aleph, Perek Membet. I told you again, we're going to have to do some jumping around. Over here, Harambam is, a, in my mind, a foundational passage. Much of what Harambam does in Chelek Aleph, much, not all, of Moreh Nebuchim is to find words, to find the difference between words, to find the true meaning of words, and many of those sorts of conversations. Here, he's talking about the words in the Torah, Hayim, and mavet. Well, those are going to be very important for us. After all, eating from etzadat would birth and did birth, apparently, mitah, death. It's uh, a hayim. I don't know what it would birth or what it brings, but it's called the tree of hayim. What are hayim and mavet in biblical language? We assume it means life and death. And my heart is beating, my brain is working, I have blood rushing through my... No, maybe not. says Arambam, kach tadir shimusho shel shem bemashma'ut keniyat Arambam says the word hayim and mavet has anything and everything to do with intellectual perceptions. Chokhmah, in its proper sense, truly understanding life, having the proper perspective is represented by life. Having wrong understanding is represented by death. Does he have to? Oh, sure. It's talking about knowledge, talking about chokmah. Ki motzi, he who finds me, a reference to chokmah, to Torah, masa hayim, found life, another pasuk. Ki hayim hem lemotzehem, says the pasuk in Mishle. Three pasukim in Mishle, all of which, and each of which describes hayim in the context of not life, not breathing, not heart beating, but not, I'm sorry, doctor, but not in that kind context, but rather in the mental processes. You found true knowledge, you're truly alive. In the final words of Arambam, and we'll read a bit, a bit in between in a moment, final words of Arambam, he quotes the famous The righteous people, even after their death, are known as living. The wicked people, even in their lifetime, are known as dead. What type of strange statement is that? Da'at, as we discussed, well, da'at in its in it in it of itself, I don't want to deal with right now. Well, we are, we have been dealing with da'at tov vara, right? So what we're effectively saying is, when you have da'at tov vara, you've brought yourself outside of hayim. Hayim is when you're tapped into absolute truths. Hayim is when you're touching on emet. Da'at tov vara, in contrast, is edging closer, if not enveloping yourself with mavet. Now, not to say that, that you're per se going to be led down the wrong path if you're living the life of humanity in this world of subjectivity and making your own decisions. Not per se, but you certainly are moving away from hayim, which is emet. The description then, without even reading the rest of the words of Harambam, and Harambam has foundational words over here. He quotes the Pasuk in the Torah in Sefer Devarim, It's a reference to the mitzvot, it's a reference to the Torah. Torah is going to bring forth life. Mitzvot, life, averot. Trends are not, not Torah, Mavit. He quotes furthermore the Pasuk in Devarim Perek Lamed. The Pasuk over there has the following words. Excuse me, that was in Perek Lamed. The Pasuk in, in Devarim Perek He has Lema Antihyun, you should only live. And it mentions furthermore in Perek Kafbet, Lema Anitavlach, 
He's citing over there from the Gemara and Kiddushin. It's a reference to an Olam Haba existence. It's a reference to a mind, an intellectual capacity, a direction which is defined by emet, proper thought. Yes? So, two things. He brushes on this in his introduction to the Kandar also. So I purposefully said as a result that your decisions will not always, outside of an emit and shake, will not always be quote unquote mavet. Right? You can direct them. You, know, you can direct them toward Hayim, but are they actual Hayim? Or so they can be mani- that hayim? What's that? It, it can hayim? be. It, it can be through context and through and through direction, uh, painted and, and, and subjected to Hayim. Yeah. But in, in the most coarse sense, in the objective sense, no, it's not Hayim. I the, guess because everything essentially is ending the entropy. So like everything okay, in your words, sure. No, but but, but it means then that what Harambam perhaps is doing for us then is if we go back to the narrative in the Gan, the decision to eat from Etz Tovara effectively births for Adam and Chava immediately. Mavet, that is Mavet. What do you mean? They're alive. Well, what do you mean? It's the question I asked my mother when I was four years old. Not really. But whatever. I could have. I don't know, what you, you told me the story. You told me they were going to die immediately. Wait a second. How come they didn't die? It's the concept of Mavit, which is the reality of Mavit. Now, we mentioned in previous weeks, now I'll mention what I was referring to, that that does, as a result, bring forth a physical death as well. Because by definition, if I'm now driven not by absolutes, so any of the decisions that I'm making are of all sorts of mixtures of my own drive. Why you going to sleep so late? Should have gone to sleep earlier. The doctor would have told you you'll live a longer life. Statistics will tell you. Why are you eating that? The doctor will tell you. The truth will tell you. That's a silly thing. All the answers to all those things is, and many other. Why are you doing that activity? It's going to diminish from your strength instead of doing something that's going to help your strength. The answer to all those is, because that's what I want to do. That's what makes me feel good as I'm doing this. And it's not to say, as Joey's pointing out, that I can't get to some sort of amitut in that, but in the context of doing those sorts of actions, of deciding to be in my own life, that's Mavit. That's building for myself a reality of Mavit which will, by definition, because human beings cannot live forever in that sort of fashion, bring to an actual death. If I lived in Emet and Sheker, I might physically have a much longer life not taking predisposed uh, genetics and so forth into, into account. So the words living really for Hayim, they don't Wait, it's not the proper That's right. So it means that our etzah as well is representative of something altogether different. Something different. The etzah hayim then is not so much this uh, magical potion which gives a long life. It's rather what the mindset? ability and mindset of a human being to tap into truth. In truth, no pun intended, Harambam, quoting from a midrash, just parenthetically, throws that line into Hilchot Teshubah Perek Now, let me remind you, remind you what we read last, last time. We read from Perek This is masterful. You just need to pick up on this. In Perek of Hilchot Teshubah Harambam, over there quoted the Pasuk, Hen ha'adam which was in the context of talking about Bechira Hofshit, freedom of choice that was, to a large extent, birthed, not fully, but to a large extent, as we discussed last time, in that moment of deciding to eat from, deciding to eat, not eating, deciding to eat from etzadat. Over here, would you know it, in Perektet, as Harambam progresses in Hilchot Teshubah, he parenthetically as well references a pasuk with regards to, or the words with regards to, etz hachayim. So he brought us to Etz Hadat with regards to who we are as human beings. And then as he tells you your direction, you find kind of figuring it out. What's my direction in life? Where am I going to get to? So now he's going to throw in Etz HaHayim. Let's read his words. 
אם שמענו דרך השם הכתוב בתורה, היא חיי העולם הבא שנאמר למען יתבלח והארכת הימים. He begins and he talks about this עולם הבא, he talks about חיים and למען יתבלח. He mentions, oh, this is not, we now, we now have a depth of understanding what he means with this based on our source number four. It's a description of tapping into true life. That's why he's talking about עולם הבא, that's why the rabbis talk about עולם הבא. True life. A life in the sense of, yes, important, but not true life. My heart beating, my mind working, my, uh, my nostrils breathing air. Ela, after the ellipsis. Kachu hechrea kol hadevarim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu natan lanu Torah, zo etz hayim hi. Vechol haosei kol hakutuv ba, viyodea dea gimura nechona, zoche ba lechaye haolam haba. Did you hear what Harambam did? He threw that in there. It's from Midrash HaGadol. Some of the commentary, later commentaries point out. But those are his words. What is Torah? It's Etz Hayim. Now, yes, it's a poetic flourish. Harambam kind of just threw that in there. But that's very purposeful. There's an, there's, there's an agenda here with regards to giving you perspective on what that narrative in the Torah is. In Perekeh, he told us, Etz Hadat was Behira Havshit, was human uh, decision-making, just driven by my own drives. In Perekeh, as you got further along, as you're determining how and what to do in this life, what it is that is our mission, it's to find Etz Hayim. What's Etz Hayim? Torah, you found them met and shaker. I bring you back before even going onward to our source number one, to the more that we began with that Midrash, the Gemara, Masech Shabbat, Masech Lavdazar, and so forth, where the Gemara told us that the Zuhama, that poison which was injected into Hava, into humanity as a result of the Nahash, we got rid of it at Har Sinai. How do we get rid of it at Har Sinai? Because Har Sinai was the, the Lashon of the Gemara is Yisrael She'amedu al Har Sinai Paseka Zuhamatan. You now mention, and we'll get to that in a second, whether it continued with us or not. Your question is whether it continued with us, which I don't want to deal with right now, but I will tell you it touches on your question at the beginning of the class. Could human beings actually live in this world with a man shaker? Your answer is, Chaita Egel proves to me that we could not and would not, similar to the sin in Etz Hadat, or the decision in Etz Hadat. But for my purposes, I don't need to go that far. What I need to notice then is what Harambam was doing in that mysterious passage which we opened with, he's giving you the whole picture. He's finishing the narrative. He's describing to you what happened in Perekimal of Bereshit. They made, humanity made a decision, a purposeful decision, we may add. Harambam didn't say that, but we may add. It's a purposeful decision to envelop, to inject themselves into a world of Tov and why? We discussed. Harambam didn't per se explicitly tell us why. But then, once in that world, is it all over? Game over? Nothing to work toward? There's no semblance of this existence of a higher level thought any longer of what we call those emet and sheker existence. Are we only in mefusamot? We're done with muskalot? No, that's what the Gemara says. That at Har Sinai, we got the mechanism, we got the indulgence, not in the real sense, in etahayim. That's Torah. It's, 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 embedded into, it's embedded into a world somewhere where we can untie that's yes, and the, and, the, and, and the most basic description then is it's embedded in the words of Torah. Now, in other classes, which we won't address right now, we have, and we'll just mention it parenthetically, we've pointed out there are other places where the Torah, in its wording, its linguistics, carefully and precisely gives us other visions of emet. So it's not only words of Torah, the words that the Torah describes in the Mishkan very much resemble Gan Eden. The job of the Levim was a Shemira and an Avodah. Even what was taking place, the fact that there were Kirubim there in the Mishkan. The vision of Ramban Nahmani and many others that the Mishkan was a miniature Har Sinai makes a lot of sense. Mishkan was a place, not words per se, where you could tap into Emet, have a return to that Shabbat. The Torah and Devarim Perek Dalet and Parashat Vayet Hanan Shamor et Yom HaShavat Lekadesho Sheshet Yamim Ta'avod 
avoda and shemira as well. That's time of emet. So there is in life as you and I know it, as much as you and I are constantly involved in a tov and ra existence, come on, we're wearing clothing, come on, you don't expect me to cloister myself away and only speak words of emet. That's dangerous, that's unhealthy, that's unbecoming for a human being. But to have the constant injections, the constant tapping into, was, was your word, Abi, constant revelations of emet, to then define who I am as a person, well, that's what Torah is. In fact, the Midrash, which Harambam, to the best of my knowledge, never uh, cites, but very appropriate in this context, is here in source number six. It's a well-known one. It's the fact that the luhot are described not just as luhot, but they're described as chiseled. The word for chiseled in the Torah is harut. And the rabbis, being creative as they ever are, uh, instead of reading it as harut, they read it as herut. Harut means chiseled. Herut means freedom. Freedom from what? Also, the statement in the end of Pirkei Avot is in the Chorin Pause for a second. Listen to that. The freest person is one who reads, who learns Torah. Not good enough yet to give me a full understanding with regards to our issue. It's paradoxical. I thought Torah chains me up. Okay, separate conversation. Another opinion in the Midrash, source number six, is Rabbi Hamya Amar Herut Mi Malach Hamavet. But wait a second, come on, I've learned Torah and I've seen people learn Torah and they didn't live long lives per se. I thought if they didn't learn Torah at that high level, unless Malach HaMavid need not mean the physical death. Hayim and Mavet, as Harambam already told us, speaks about intellectual capacities, directions, and understandings. Well, that being the case, Torah gives you that freedom from the messenger of death, wrongful thought, continues the Midrash, and I'm convinced at this point. This is parallel to that Gemara Harambam quoted us in source number one in Masechet Shabbat. Amar has ben Hama b'shemri b'shem b'li'ezeb b'noshel Rabbi Yosei Agilili. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu miyavo malach hamavit v'yomar li nama nivretiv. Malach hamavit says, why am I created? You made this Torah, which is the antidote. I'll say to him, satat yono, nah, I guess it's some derogatory term I created you only for the non-Jews the pagan, the idolaters not for my children wait a second are you suggesting Midrash are you suggesting Rabbi Nehemiah are you suggesting all these rabbis that Jews, Am Yisrael really live forever no he is suggesting that we're free from Malach HaMavet. Malach HaMavet, Mitan, Chaim, are not representative in the physical sense only, although it might spill over into that. It's rather in terms of my direction from an intellectual perspective and direction. All right, that being the case, I think we've now established a major part in filling in the gaps of the narrative, according to Harambam, with regards to what took place here in, 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 in Gan Eden. We certainly, I, th- I believe, addressed may be answered sufficiently each of those questions. Number one, what was with that Midrash? The Zuhama that stopped at Har Sinai? Well, now we understand the Nahash and the Torah are, ant- are, are opposites of one another. The Nahash injected the Tov and Ra. The Torah brought forth the Emet and Sheker. Fantastic. Um, secondly, we said we didn't die immediately. We did. If Mavit isn't death in the physical sense, that was an immediate thing. Tovin is away from Emet and Sheker. And thirdly, the Etzah Hayim, which is still there, always lurking in the distance, just guarded by Kirubim. By the way, where were the Kirubim in the Mishkan, the only other Kirubim we know in the Torah, right on top of the Aron, which of course housed the Luchot, the Torah. Right? So that being the case, we then address that as well. All right. The, which makes a lot of sense. You're a step later than me. Yes. Okay. Um, well, that being the case, we just have, at least in my mind, one other integral aspect with regards to the details of this narrative that we need to fill in, and that is this Nahash which again is a description uh, much like many others and at the very least we knew it was outside of, and that's what we said, that the Yetzir, the Tov and Ra wasn't a part of them, 
but we still want to pay, pay a little bit of attention to that, I think. And as Joey asked at the beginning, I want to pay attention to the fact that the Torah describes this as Hava's downfall. Yes, Doctor? Yeah, so far, everything goes, goes well with the Humash because... Uh, I would hope so. You said, yeah. uh, said Aru means uh, naked more than or, or bad or whatever, ne- negative context. But uh, it says Pasu before... That's right. Yeah, yeah, I referenced this so, earlier. So according to this, uh, the uh, Nahash, which is, Doctor, Nahash means Nahash is more pure than all of them. No, I understand. Oh, I I understand. Uh, you walked right into it. That's right. Yeah. And I'm very happy you brought that up now. Right. I did reference this earlier. I said the Pasuk says that the Nahash was Arum. So first Dr. Taktalati says, well, the Nahash being Arum maybe says, and I understand why you said that, he's standing for Emet and Sheker. His naked as well. You see Emet and Sheker. That's great. But then we said, but maybe he opens their eyes to being naked. He's the one who brings forth the reality of nakedness. There was no concept beforehand of nakedness. Do you understand? It just was. The idea of something being naked, declothed, only exists once there is clothing. So it's not per se that he is. He brings forth Adam. That being the case, says 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 Lot, uh, says, uh, says Miro. Uh, that's the case. Then the Nahash seems to be the conduit, and you called him Malachamavet, and I, I commend you on that to bringing forth that realization. Take a look at Haram Bam's words. Give me one second. Look. Take a look at Haram Bam's words now in the More. Turn backward to page three sixty eight. Back here in in Halek Bet in Perek Lam. It says Haram Bam. Uh, Harambam will pick up in, well, let's pick up at the top of the page, um, the second paragraph first. Mizeh divrehem is dealing with difficult, difficult midrashim, which are important. She'adam v'chava nivre'u yahad mechubarim gavel gav. Gavil Gav. I imagine you've heard of this Midrash. The Midrash describes, and it's really because of discrepancy in Pesukim, but that's not our issue. It describes Adam and Chava as being created together, but back to back. Okay. And they were separated and in turn um, placed uh, to turn and, and face one another. Okay. I didn't really. What's that? You thought that's Peshat? No, no, no. no. That's That's right. Wait a second, the Peshan, the Pesukim is one of his ribs was taken out. It doesn't seem to say that he was split and they were really back to back. The word Sal'otav, according to the Smitrash, would be read as a side in truth. He quotes the Pasuk as Selah Mishkan. Selah Mishkan, the Mishkan didn't have a rib, the Mishkan had a side. So it means one of his two sides. Okay. Okay, he's translating these words for us. I quoted a Midrash, he supported it with the linguistics. He really, I mean, this is, you're seeing the secrets of the more uh, through and through with regards to how everything is presented to us as a secret. He hasn't really defined anything for us. He just quoted a midrash. So it's an important one. He says, pay attention to the fact that effectively the rabbis are telling you there are two who were really one. That's true. He says, pay attention. As, uh, as Adam said, his, his, his remark, Adam, was, this is an bone from my bones and basar, flesh from my flesh. They were one, but they're two who are really one. In truth, Adam calls her Isha because she's taken from an Ish. They're really similar. They're two who are one. Any person who's foolish enough to not realize that this is significant, what's the significance? You tell me the two or one. It's a beautiful message to say under Chupa. It's a nice message to give a Hatan and Kala. I get it. What's the depth? This is Morena Vuchim. This isn't marriage classes. What's he talking about? This is clear. What? That's it? 
All right, he continues. Well, we'll try to explain what he's doing. What you should know is my goodness, he just jumped to the next thing. So he went from Adam and Chava, there were two or one. By the way, you should also know, he says, what the Midrash says about the Nahash. The Nahash was an animal similar to a camel, a big animal, and it was being mounted and, 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 uh, and driven by someone else. Who's that? Something, someone called Samael. So he just quoted a Midrash, it's really that unlike the simple text in the Torah, it's the Nahash who has this uh, temptation to Hava. The Nahash is a part of it, but it's a dual mission. It's the Nahash together with Samael. Samael is the one riding on this camel-like Nahash. What's Samael? How do you like that? Is that who's Samael? Shem zehem notnin la Satan. If you read the Midrashim carefully, you'll notice Samael is always associated with Satan. He's bringing us closer. The Midrashim have that the Satan came to prevent Abraham from sacrificing Yitzchak. And so too to tempt Yitzchak not to listen to Abraham at the Akedah. And by the way, by the Akedah says, Harambam, in addition to describing the Satan, the Satan who tries to lead Adam, um, uh, Abraham and Yitzhak away. They also say, They have similarly that Samael comes to Abraham and says to him, Are you crazy? The child's given to you at 100 years. You're going to sacrifice. Wait a second, says Harambam. You see what's happening over here? Samael is the Satan. It reminds me of something for another time. What's that? Indeed, we mentioned it then. Samael hu ha-satan. You're talking about irbuv ha-satan. Kedela arbevet ha-satan. That's Gemara and Bava Batra. I mentioned it on Daf Tetzayin when, to, when the Gemara talks about why are we talking Kishem Yom Omedim Vehem Yoshevim Kedela arbevet ha-satan. We're going to deal with that in a second. And we won't deal with that Gemara, but the concept of the Gemara and Bava Batra. Yeah. Uh, so uh, at the very least we established that Satan is Samael. This name, Samael, is for a reason. Again, we're not going to address every detail and every clue he gives us here. Uh, so then he says, and by the way, and God was happy or laughing as the Samael is on the Gamal, on the Nahash. What happened? What's he, what's he telling to us? What is going on here? What's going on? It's mystery after mystery. And it's not because of the Hebrew. I'm translating it all for you. All right, one last clue. Before, by the way, we hit the way we began, the Ma'amad Sinai. I have one more thing to tell you, says Haram Ba. Another thing you need to know. So what we mentioned so far, that Adam and Chava were two who were one. Number two, that the Nahash is the Satan. Number three, Notice one more detail. Nahash never spoke directly to Adam. He spoke, And it was only through Hava that Adam was damaged, was hurt. And the Nahash indirectly affected Adam. Ever mushlemet kayemet, eva, excuse me, mushlemet kayemet, rak ben nahash vachava ben zarov zara. The Pasuk describes how there's going to be an enmity, uh, hatred between the nahash and the descendants of Hava. This was a story about Hava and the nahash, and uh, by association, Adam as well. That's where this all ends. Those are our three clues. What are we to do with these three clues? It ends there. Yes, clue number one Adam and Hava were one. Yes. Even though there were two. Number two, the Nahash is the Satan. Yes. 
What does he say though with the Semelot of Kabbalah? I'm not going to do that now. Okay. I'm not going to do that now, although it is relevant to now. It just takes more. And I'm not. And, and, the and there's. The Nahash was a Gamal, and the Samael was the Satan, but we're looking at them for our purposes as one unit. They may have represented two dimensions of what we're going to talk about. That's what the Mifarshim to the Moreh deal with. It's not going to affect us per se, because the message will be the same for our purposes, just as details on that. And number three is that the Nahash does this all with Hava, which you talked about in the first moment of the class, Joey, as opposed to Adam. Now I'm going to go backwards. He speaks to... They were one, and he spoke to both. But, thank you very much. That's, that's where I was going. Tree, that was one tree as well, when we talked about it. The, and, and I don't know if it's a similar... That Midrash is paralleling the whole story, certainly. Okay. But, but, but give, give it a minute here with regards to this. So we're working backwards, and A.B. said it immediately, right? He said that the description of speaking to Hava... Wait a second, Harambam. You told me if you're speaking to Hava, you're really speaking to Adam. Also, we're really just missing some detail over here, and that will really cap the whole thing for us. See, here's how I want to go for you, uh, together with you. First and foremost, in source number eight on our source sheet, is the Gemara Masech Bava Batra. It's the Gemara Masech Bava Batra, which Joey Levy just mentioned to us a moment or two ago. And that is Amar Eshlakish, and he proves it in his own way from Pesukim. Hu Satan, hu Yeser Hara, hu Malach HaMavet. So the following three are all the same, Satan. This just said in the context of, of Ganeden? No. Oh, no, no mention of Nahash over there. Oh, so but we can extend it. If the Satan was the Nahash, we can add another one according to Harambam to this list, right? Who, let's say Harambam's language, who Nahash, who Satan, who Yezerah, who Malach Let's go backwards. Malach we very much understand. Of course Malach is the same thing as the Satan, same thing as Nahash. After all, the Nahash brought us to Mitah. So that's, of course, the Malach that we find that we understood in the Midrash in source number six as well. All right, that already brought us a little bit closer. But why to Hava? And what's this business with regards to kind of envisioning them as together? Here's the last clue. Harambam writes it in three at least places in the Moreh. And these are the at least three places in the Moreh. Source number 10 and source number 11, we're going to read from. It's also in Helegimah and Perek Zayn, Perek Hayati. alludes to this as well. There might be other places as well. But here, here are the famous ones. Let's start with 11. Number 11, in the Moreh, in Helek Aleph and Perek Yod Zayn, he quotes from Plato. He calls him Apalton. Apalton umishikadam lo Plato and those who preceded him, Hayu mechanim et ha-homer b'shem ha-nekeva, v'et ha-sura b'shem ha-zachar. This is the other detail that Joey was, was referencing to us, that philosophically, I repeat that ten times, philosophically, conceptually, theoretically, not physically, not realistically in the way we associate female and male in terms of actual people. Conceptually, and we can discuss why on another occasion, why, but conceptually, nikeva is homer, is the coarse, physical part of life, and zachar, the male dimension of existence, is surah, is the form, is the intellectual side. That is with regards to philosophically, whenever we talk about zachar and nikeva, Homer means um, means matter, M-A-T-T-E-R, right. uh, which which is physical stuff. Okay. Sura is the craftsmanship, is the is the mind that goes into it, is the way that you manipulate the Homer, is the way that you put form to existence. Now, Homer and Sura are a major theme throughout. Um, ancient medieval philosophy, medieval philosophy. There's certainly a major theme in the Moreh. It's Zachar and Nekeva in this respect. The Mekubalim deal with the, medak- the, the people who do Dikduk pay attention to this. All, many languages differentiate between Zachar and Nekeva. Hebrew is obsessed with that. Different numbers for Zachar and Nekeva, different concepts for Zachar and Nekeva. This sort of conversation is an, an important one and very integral, but just for getting across the point to you more than anything, you know, we talk about uh, words and we say that word is Nekeva. At least I was taught this as a child. So you learn that the body parts are all Nekeva. So I would say, two eyes. Why is an eye nekeva? I don't know, just is. Maybe there's some spiritual, some, some philosophical underpinning. I'll talk about um, words that have a kamatz he at the end, uh, like yalda is nekeva. 
But by extension, if I talk about a kufsa, if it has a hey at the end, it's also nekeva. What about that is nekeva? So there's lots that needs to be developed. At the very least, I'm mentioning that to you already now to tell you to talk conceptually about male and female means that I can now accept them as representing something. So as Plato quoted by Hanambam, they represent Homer, call it physical, and surah, we're calling that intellectual form. Harambam in his introduction to the Moray in source number 10 quotes from Mishle Perek Zayin and there the lust, the desire can we call it the Yetzer Hara certainly he calls it is represented by an Eshet Ish Zona and Harambam over there says pay careful attention it's not just a lust and a desire it's a female married a promiscuous woman female the lust, the desire, the physical Oh, if that's all the case, I bring you back to now our passage in the More, and I bring you full circle with filling in the details over here. The Nahash, piecing everything together, representative of the Yeser, connects itself to the physical side of humanity, which of course is the Nekeva, the lust, the desire. That in turn causes the going after the Etzadat. Harambam linked all these midrashim very purposefully. He described for us, don't see this as, oh, the woman got the man. No, they're one and the same. This is one and the same. This is describing how we, as human beings, who have physicality, who have homer, who have toverah as part of us, who have at lost the desire, we were driven, but what drove us? That was the Yetzer, that was the Kohamidameh, that imaginative side of human beings, which is represented there by the Nahash, because after all, the Nahash is not per se an animal who's tempting, but rather an external thought and process which got us outside of the world of Emet and Cheke. Piecing it all together then, what we've done, and of course, what's the next paragraph then in this Perek of Harambam? Uh, yes, Joe, I, I, listen, I don't think you could read any differently. The day that I noticed this year, some years ago, the Perek Lama changed everything for me in terms of the story of Gan Eden. But piecing it all together, I will remind you as well, he goes straight from that into another Midrash, and it's the Midrash we started our class with, and that is, well, how do you get out of all of this? And of course, that's with... Torah, the Ma'amad Harsinai experience, putting it all together just bring us back to Perekima and Bereshit. Harambam told us that the Etadat Tovara was not an ascension. It didn't elevate us. It didn't bring us to a better level of understanding, to a greater perception. It took us down. It descended us. It brought us into a world of Tov and Ra. The description then that Harambam helps us with in Helek Bet, Perek Lamed is, well, what about the other details? Why is it an Ahash that brings us there? How is it that it goes specifically to Hava? And Harambam told us that Hava and Adam were one. Hava, he tells us elsewhere, represents the Homer, the physical side. We're calling that the Tov and Ra. We're calling that as well the Mitah side of life. The Malachamavit, the Nahash, the Satan are the drive, the Yeser Hara to bring us into a world of Tov and Ra, lost desire, Ta'ava, uh, uh, to be Homed, and so on and so forth. And Ultimately speaking, Harambam thankfully doesn't leave this all with doom and gory descriptions of this damned existence of humanity. Instead, he tells us, by the way, there is a way out of this. We're now explaining it's with Etzahayim. Harambam himself in Perek Tetu V'chol told us it's with Etzahayim. What is Etzahayim? Yisrael she'amdu al har Sinai. Pasekazu amatan. That Yetzer of the Nahash, when you tap into Torah, the existence, the existence itself of Emet and Sheker, you in turn are dis- Distancing yourself, or at the very least, very least, overcoming or recalibrating that life of humanity, that life of Homer, giving it a surah, giving it a direction of emet and sheker. Baruch Adonai